Hey, and welcome to CineDrunk, the podcast where we're drunk on cinema and alcohol. Brought to you by Cinemunch.com. I'm your host, Matt, joined by Nathan. Hi. And Elizabeth. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. So we're going to talk about some more big studio releases from summer 2015 that we have seen. But before we get into it, uh, Nathan, please share with us what delicious summer beverage on a hot, humid day we're enjoying. Well, nothing says summer like a margarita (laughs) with salt and tequila. Mm -hmm. So, see, (laughs) yes. And uh, we've decided to cool it down. Make it into a mint margarita. Mm-hmm. It's a classic recipe with tequila, um, Grand Marnier, and lime juice, salt, <laughs> salt, ice, ice. You know, you know. I'm forgetting, but classic. Stuff. And then um, we make a simple little syrup <laughs> with mint. Um, you just boil the water with syrup with Sugar, sugar. <laughs> turns into syrup, throw in the mint, let it steep, and then you have mint-flavored syrup. Um, so that's been really fun. Like, I think we've, I think we'd all agree that it's been a really good time <laughs> with the mint syrup. It's true. It's also, you know, we yeah. branched out to tequila, <laughs> which is, is fun for us. We went away from our old gin friend. Which means this podcast might end up being real interesting. Cause, sure might. You know. But summer. You know, summer. That's when it's... Fun uh, fact, a margarita mm-hmm. was the first drink that I drank as a legal drinker. What? <laughs> when you were Look 12. at that sentence at construction. none other than Applebee's. <laughs> yes. The perfect margarita. Where most fact. people go. That actually is a pretty good margarita. It is. It's like They're seven huge. and it's one. Huge. Yeah. yeah. And it's like seven dollars. Not bad. Right. I wonder so. if it's seven dollars at the Applebee's in New York. Obviously, we should go to the Applebee's that's just down the road from it's right here. here in Brooklyn. Let's do it. See what the prices are. This message is sponsored by <laughs> Applebee's. The Apple perfect beans. margarita. How sponsored of Cinedrunk. Uh, yeah, yeah. They are not. Anyhow, um, so we saw some some movies. Yeah. We've seen several movies, actually. Um, we all have a, a little little golden ticket called Movie Pass. They're not sponsoring this podcast, but if they you see a lot well, we of movies... We are shills for Movie Pass, regardless. So. Like it, it's a no-brainer. If you see more than two or three movies in a month, you should get MoviePass. Look it up, moviepass.com. It's like the Netflix of seeing movies in theaters. Yeah. It works at like 95% of theaters. Yeah. Actually, wait. Go to our website to get more information. Mm. Cinemunch.com. Yes, and do we that. That's the only way to get there. get anything <laughs> out of the deal. Uh, no, but it's, you pay a, a monthly fee and you can see one movie per 24-hour period. Like, basically, yeah. unlimited. Um, and I was recently in Cape Cod, and even at the movie theaters there, they took Movie Pass. So, mm-hmm. any really... AMC, Regal, United, yeah. even now, some smaller ones here in the city. Matt and I have to drink because we were just waiting until Elizabeth mentioned Cape Cod. She worked it in in the first minute. Excuse me, I'm, I'm trying to inform it's our summer listeners. Yeah, it's all being Cape not Cod. Impressed. Yes, well, I was in the Hamptons. So. <laughs> Anyhow, so where I was going with that, we've seen a lot of movies. We've seen a lot of big movies and a lot of small movies. Uh, we're going to keep going uh, 
from part one, you know, we discussed lots of the bigger summer blockbusters. We're going to keep going with a lot of the major releases. Mm-hmm. And we have five to talk about today. So the first one we would have seen a while ago, which inspired our animated showdown, which you should all listen to if you have not. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with you? Listen to it. Get out of here. Um, but was Inside Out, the latest offering from Pixar. Mm-hmm. And Matt, why don't you go first, since I think you are going to be the big ball of sadness, or perhaps disgust. <laughs> I would gladly be the Phyllis Smith. I think she's great. <laughs> so is Amy Poehler. They're both great. I don't know. I was just underwhelmed by Inside Out. I liked it. I thought it was really good, but especially the further away I get from it, it just didn't resonate with me. And I don't think it's because I'm not a 12-year-old girl or however old Riley, the main character, is, whose head were inside the whole time. I I don't know. It had a, all of the great things about Pixar, like great vocal performances, great characters, humor, heart. Like, it's all in there. It's creative and energetic, and audiences really loved it. I liked it, but... I was really disappointed that I didn't cry, which is so dumb. But I cry at the drop of a hat. Like, for any any film, TV, I cry at the drop of a hat. And I just wasn't, like, connecting with this movie for some reason. So here's my question, because I was thinking about it from a movie that we haven't seen yet, so we won't, or that we're not going to discuss on this podcast, but we have seen. How much does your expectation affect that? Like, if it weren't, if you didn't know it was a Pixar movie, if there hadn't been people talking about how they sobbed in this movie... Then I don't think it would have even gotten the reviews it did. I think if it didn't have that Pixar label... No, 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 I'm I'm taking the reviews out of it, the other reviews. I'm seeing your personal reaction to it. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I think sometimes we have No, I know, but I think part of my personal reaction, too, is the reviews. And, like, you expect so much from Pixar. And even, like, if you listen to the animated feature, like, none of us were that high on WALL-E, which is one of the right. highest rated Pixar movies. Um, I don't know. It's like, it, it, I don't know. I, I don't you have a, connect I don't have a clear answer other than it just, for me personally, I just wasn't as moved by it. Like even the things that I was moved by and I really liked, it just didn't push me to that next level. It was like Pixar has done so much great, like really, really great. Uh, again, this is, I guess, going into expectations and just comparing it to other Pixar films. But right. even the, like, the Richard Kind, the, like, Invisible Friend character, yeah. which was... Bing, emo- bong. Bing Bong. Yeah, like, it was emotional. It was good. I Everything, I could, like, see the work behind it, whereas I usually can't with Pixar. It felt inauthentic to me. The whole thing, I could, like, see the formula of, okay, these are the characters, this is the arc, this is the beat where the music swells, this is where we're going to move you. This is where you should laugh. And it just didn't feel like it's such a unique concept. And I love that, you know, you're inside the mind of a young girl and I don't have any qualms necessarily with some others who were like, Oh, why are there only five emotions in the head? And it's so pat and like, I didn't have necessarily any problems with that, but it was just, I don't know, it was clean and well done and just, eh. So, podcasters, what you're going to learn in this episode of Cinedrunk is that <laughs> Matt just hates female narratives and hates women. 
total lies. Uh, <laughs> All about the females. No, you know, I... I Everywhere except the bedroom. I disagree. I found myself really moved by it. And I wonder if... I think... First off, I was constantly surprised. I mean, obviously, yes. We sort of knew what the basic plot was going to be. That eventually joy and sadness would get back to the control panel and sort things out. Um, but I was, I was surprised a lot of times by... Uh, both what happened plot-wise, like her, like Riley deciding when she only had anger, fear, and disgust that her decision was to run away from home, like all that stuff I would not have if I had to plot out. Um, I would not have expected them to be in a lesser film to actually lean into the fact that it's good for children to embrace sadness. And I think that that affected me a lot because I, mm. I think that children are often taught that there's no place for sadness and for tears. I mean, I know, God, I love my mom to death, but when my sister and I would cry when we were little, she would always tell us, like, crying never solved anything. Be a man. So she would say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. But you know what I mean? I think it's this, like, interest. I thought the whole idea of sort of emotional wellness and what that actually means for children is interesting. And I also just found all of her things really relatable. And I don't all of the emotions that she experiences relatable. And I don't think it's because it was a female character, although it was refreshing to see a film where there were so many female voices, mm -hmm. so much female voice work in an animated film. Um, but specifically, I think because I work with kids and I work with kids mm -hmm. at all different develop, you know, developmental stages from like three to 12. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed like all of the stuff in her islands and the silliness or like I talked about that scene where she has like a flashback to one of her joys which is her with her bare bottom out as like a three-year-old wagging her naked mm -hmm. body like her naked tush at her dad and like I've seen these girls I babysat for forever like I've seen the youngest one do that to me sure like, sure so for me it resonated on a really personal way and I think that maybe probably a lot of the reviewers are parents and I can see how if you're a parent like that movie would affect you differently than if you don't have that, that much yeah. experience with children as an adult, you know, because what most of us are left with are just our own memories of childhood. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm in a position where even though I'm not a parent, like I experience childhood every day through my job. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Nathan, tell Matt well, how wrong he is. He is wrong. I mean, <laughs> objectively no wrong. wrong. I still think it was really, Science. really great. Science. It is. It's neuroscience, actually. Um, I I loved this movie. It was actually, it is one of my favorite Pixar movies, period, but also especially in, in years. And um, I think for me, in some ways, it's the opposite of what you said, Matt, which is that I've, I found it quite genuine. Because if something, if I feel like something is inauthentic or disingenuous or what have you, that is usually the biggest turnoff to me in life, in art. Like our problem with the end of Wally, the second half of Wally, is that that whole thing just feels. Yeah, yeah. that's that's definitely a part of it for sure. But for this one, I think because they're telling this story in a kind of tangential abstract way because they're inside her head they're not it's 
it's like it can't possibly be schmaltzy in the way that, you know, Lady and the Tramp or something <laughs> would be schmaltzy where you right. you see everything that's going on from point A to point B to point Z. Um, and it's just kind of a pat storyline and emotional arc. Whereas this, you're seeing the gears. Right. And I mean, that's, and that's the whole point. And the point is that it's messy. It wasn't messy enough for me no, at I, all. I get that, except it, it's an animated film. And so I think you maybe wanted some messiness that would be inappropriate in this no. type of story. I agree. I agree. And I mean that aesthetically. I mean that uh, thematically. Thematically, plot-wise. Well, one thing I really, and maybe this is why I couldn't really connect, I really didn't like the animation. Straight up didn't like I didn't like well, the character designs. You maybe need to get your eyes checked. I have had LASIK within the past year, so my eyes are <gasps> perfect. I will have you know. LASIK is also sponsoring this podcast. Yes. I mean, All LASIK. I will are. agree in that I don't think of some Pixar films I've seen that are sort of awe-inspiring with the visuals. I don't necessarily think I felt that way, although I thought there was a lot of creativity. Obviously, that really wonderful part where they take the shortcut with Bing Bong, where they go into, like, abstract Oh, that was thought. great. Um, but I think it didn't... I, I think sort of the... Because, again, like, even though Pixar, yes, it makes movies for adults, and it definitely has lots of jokes for adults, Pixar also is making movies for children. Mm -hmm. And I think sort of thematically and emotionally, it's a very complex movie for children. That very. Kind like, of, I don't think I would have liked this as a child. Oh, I don't know. The two, you know, all the kids I've talked to, which is probably a lot more than you. Probably. It's all the rage at the summer camp. Well, I don't think you would have liked it as a child either, because you didn't like it as an adult. Right. So I did like it, though. I'm just needing to be vocal about why Contrary. it would absolutely be near the bottom of my favorite Pixar movies. Poor shame. And I'm such an Amy Poehler fan that it, it hurts me to say that. I, I just thought it was brilliant. Me too. Absolutely brilliant, and it wasn't... And I didn't... I didn't get the sense that it knew. I mean, it, of course, it knew it was brilliant, but not in a way that turned me off. I just think, what other children's film would the climax of the film and the sort of moment of triumph in the film would be a girl crying, like releasing sadness? Yeah, no, for sure. I loved and how I it ended. I loved the really themes and the message. I especially loved the absolute best joke in any movie all summer was the cat <laughs> joke at the yes, very, very, like a, literally near the credits. It's doing no, the it credits. in the credits. In the credits. Yeah. It's it a wonderful credit sequence. Amazing. Um, I don't know, it just wasn't very whimsical to me. A little like, cold and sterile, maybe? I would think that would appeal to you. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, Yes. <laughs> Being a, a fox catcher fan, but I don't know. It I it's been quite a while since we've seen it at this point too. So I'm I'm not being super articulate with with all of my points, but well, I think we can all agree on one thing though that the true as much as we love Amy Poehler and she's spectacular, the true MVP 
voice work wise of that movie is Phyllis Smith as sadness. Yes. Yeah. She sure. was so hist- I mean, every single line sadness said cracked me up. Oh, she was hilarious. Fabulous. So good gold on you, star Phyllis. Phyllis Smith. We've established Matt as some sort of robot. Let's move on to our next film. <laughs> um, a good double feature. Uh, Magic Mike Double XL. <laughs> <laughs> both good for the kids. Yes, both children's films. Do you want to start us off on this one, Nathan? Yeah, I mean, this is like what summer movies should be <laughs> in my mind. Like, it was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And it just got more fun the more I thought about it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, ridiculous I movie. Oh, no ludicrous. No plot, really, no. to speak of. Loose um, plot. Yeah, I mean, there was, there were locations that people were. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> that does not a plot make. <laughs> but they were people who were nice to look at. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And the extras, the shout out to the extras, best extras in... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know if those women were actually, like, actors extras or if they had any idea what was coming to them. Oh, no, they were... I mean, a lot of them knew what it was, and that's why they... I was reading some article it. that was, like, an interview with five different women who had been extras on the film, and, like all from that area. And a lot of them were kind of aspiring actresses who had just responded to a, a casting call, but gotcha. that it was like an all day thing. And that all of those men and the filmmakers were all just like really, really, really nice. And it was such a fun experience. Oh my gosh. And I'm upset that we weren't there. Well, <laughs> you could definitely, I mean, that certainly translated to the movie. For sure. <laughs> Tell how much fun they were having. Yes. Because that movie had no business being as entertaining as it was. No. no. Like, we all liked the first movie, and this one's yeah. definitely different. We did. I really liked the first one, actually. Yes, you did. Quite a bit. Um, and this was not, okay, let's give them more of the same. It was, eh, let's just, like, <laughs> hang out and have a road trip and turn the camera on. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And it was exactly what I needed. And yes. I had no I was not that excited going into this movie. No. As much as I liked the first and stick up for Channing Tatum and like Man Flesh was like eh <laughs> and then was grinning from ear to ear like the entire film and can't wait to watch it again. Oh yeah, no, I'm the, really excited yeah. to watch it again. The only other thing I would say is that if you'd like to see Andy McDowell like redeem any wrong she's ever wrought on screen <laughs> which if which you've listened to our romantic comedy showdown many, podcast, many you know quite that. a few wrongs <laughs> she is she was like on death row and she earned her governor's pardon with <laughs> yeah this film. and then some i mean wow yeah it's just so loose yes in <laughs> plot and structure but also the performances that it just it it's it's a great summer movie. It's I would have just never so thought, much fun. I thought Joe Mangello, or however you say his name. I mean, that's Mangello, yes. Mangello. Mangello. It just seems appropriate. Mangello. I thought he was like the blankest person ever. He's really funny in this movie. He like kind of won me over a mm-hmm. little bit. He's still not my type physically, but boy was he. That was he. one of the best scenes. The, the convenience store. The convenience store, store yeah. scene. <laughs> well, I, I think that I was most t- the thing that left me the most first off I just had so much fun I mean I laughed so hard 
Yeah. I laughed as hard at, at that movie as I did any comedy this summer. Um, <laughs> but I joked with you, Matt, at the beginning of the summer that this was going to be the summer of the women because we had Spy coming out and we had Trainwreck coming out and Inside Out was a female lead character. Mm. And somehow Magic Mike XXL, to me, ended up feeling like this super empowered movie for women mm-hmm. because they actually talk about women a ton and they enjoy their job. They enjoy stripping and performing for the purpose of they enjoy getting women off. Mm-hmm. And it's actually very rare that like, even, you know, if you watch this film is not yet rated and stuff like that, film has a really hard time portraying uh, female satisfaction and mm-hmm. female sexuality. It's usually about like a man getting off mm-hmm. or a woman being there for men. It was like very much that they were like, Ooh, it turns me on to turn a woman on, which somehow in 2015 still feels like a really radical thing for a film to say, especially in mainstream. And it was really great that way. I loved, I read a review that said it's sort of like the boys of entourage or the hangover. If they were actually secure in their masculinity. (laughs) And I thought that was so spot on because they were like hyper masculine and that they call each other brother and you know, like all these things, these bro things that would normally annoy me, but then they go to a drag show and I'll get up on stage and Vogue and then hang out with the drag Queens afterwards. And there's never this like, no homo. No, you know what I mean? Right. Like these like And it never comments on things like that. It just sort never of happens. It never happens of any sort. Right. The drag queens are never a butt of the joke. They're just like other cool people that they hang out with who are also performers and you see the camaraderie in that way. I loved the Jada Pinkett Smith character. I love that she called the women her queens. Like it just all I came out of it just being like, Yes, this movie <laughs> was made for me. I don't even think, like, I would bag Channing Tatum's face, you know? But, like, <laughs> oh, yes. Anyways, I loved it. <laughs> it was so great. Yeah. And so we much can fun. all recommend that. that was, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't an outstanding film, Oh, we didn't do... But, um, yeah, was, we, need to, we need to rate them. So our last summer, summer movie, 2015, so far, we gave our films that we were reviewing and rating uh, uh, a rating uh, mm-hmm. How many drinks you need to get through the film? So let's let's quick go back inside out. What what is the corresponding beverage? Or I mean, I, partly it's a children's film, I so I feel too. like maybe no, but maybe you know, maybe like a nice glass of vino. I was just gonna say a glass of rosé. Yeah, one glass. Yeah, that somehow stays chilled throughout the entire film. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A self, a rosé in a self-chilling glass. Yes. Why not? Sounds like a sippy cup. Mm -hmm. A sippy cup of rosé. And then for Magic Mike, we would recommend... I mean, I would almost say like a special brownie. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Maybe like a pitcher of margaritas. Yeah, I was thinking like a tequila shot off of yeah, like a body some, shot. Someone's back who you just met <laughs> at a frat house party. Yeah, like shots with a whole bar full of strangers. Yes. But actually I feel like more on like a drag club. Like frat house. Yeah. Well, by frat house I mean like a frat house that I would actually be caught dead be at a which would be Right. 
one or two in the country. <laughs> I love it. All right. So well, some sort that. of shot off a stranger's back at a crowded, ve- crowded keep venue. This feminism summer going with uh, Trainwreck would have been the next film we saw. Yeah, which, Matt, I think it's time for you to take another dump on a summer No, movie. no, you go. You go. You start. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really liked Trainwreck. Uh, I think I, I have the same critique of it as I have of all Judd Apatow movies, which is just a little too long. It was mm-hmm. like a half hour too long. And there are some scenes that definitely feel superfluous while you're in there. And I think part of the problem is that Amy Schumer is a great writer, but she's so used to writing sketch comedy that there were some like sort of tangential sketches and she needed a really good editor. And instead she had Judd Apatow, Apatow, who I think is always like, yes, put it in. So it loses a little bit of the narrative focus. Um, But I think she's a super charming, funny screen presence. Mm -hmm. I liked that I never felt like the film was, you know, she starts off very like, she drinks a lot and she sleeps with lots of guys and stuff like that. And then she starts dating someone. And I always felt like her stopping sleeping with other guys wasn't because she realized like, oh, I'm a whore, I need to turn myself around, versus it was more like, oh, I'm finding myself in an adult relationship and I'm having to be more adult because of it, or I'm happy, you know what I mean? It Mm -hmm. it didn't feel like the film was judging her ever, except for that one moment when she throws out all of her alcohol at the end. I was a little bit like, well, does she have to stop drinking full stop? Right. Um... I liked the stuff with her dad a lot. I thought Brie Larson was great as her sister. And I thought some of the jokes were absolutely spectacular. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I laughed my way through the movie. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of Spy in the sense that I had to suffer through a female-centric <laughs> suffer through <laughs> narrative feature. No. Um, no, it reminded me of Spy because it was another comedy that I actually laughed through. Right. Which is not all that common. At least to be laughing pretty much the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated or that. Or missing stuff because you're laughing so hard. That yeah, you just joke. yeah. And it was really, so it was fun in that way. It was refreshing. The jokes felt fresh. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't really have anything negative to say. I guess it just didn't stick with me as much as I hoped it would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you when you just now mentioned pouring out the alcohol, I actually that sticks out in my mind as a moment that I questioned at the time. Yeah. Not quite sure why I was questioning it, but it just seemed a little unnecessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, but I, I love Amy Schumer. I think she's hilarious, and I can't wait to see more yeah. films from her. I mean, I think I would give it the same critique as I would give most romantic comedies, although usually it feels like it's the guy. But is that Bill Hader, as wonderful as he is, and I thought he was hilarious, and he had great, great chemistry with Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's sort of, in the end his character doesn't have to evolve or change in any way or make any compromise. It's sort of all her character. Right. Um, which I find a little annoying. But then I also think, like, this is another one where I think expectations. This is her first feature ever mm-hmm. and her first acting performance. And I think 
it's this unfair thing that happens, especially to women's films, where we put like all of these things that it needs to accomplish oh, sure. yeah. onto any, their shoulders. Any minority. So I really want to yeah. try, because we don't do this to every, you know, no one went 21 Jump Street or 22 Jump Street last year was like, how is this representing the bros? Young males. Yeah. Young white males, because that's whatever movie is. It's young exactly. white males. Um, so, I, you know, I'm hesitant just as my own in my own space to critique it in that way. Right. I mean, I have no problem that it was, I mean, it's been marketed and there have been articles and stuff that it's like, oh, she's subverting the romantic comedy. She's this not. Is like a, but she's not at all. It's 100% a formulaic rom-com. It's just that it's just the with roles sharper are humor. And it's are with reversed. sharper humor. Revitched. The roles are The roles are revitched. Are reversed, basically. <laughs> it's that she's playing the stereotypically male role where right. who's the cat and sleeping around and then, oh, what? A, someone I'm falling in love with. Right. Better change my philandering ways. Right. Um, but I, I loved Amy Schumer. I loved yeah. the performances. John Cena was great. <laughs> like, LeBron James. LeBron James was great. LeBron yeah. James was so great, the scene. I feel like the scene of him playing one-on-one basketball with Bill Hayer <laughs> when I'm having a bad day, that will be a scene I like YouTube just because it was so <laughs> such spectacular physical comedy. Yeah. Um, but I liked that you mentioned like the family stuff. Like I loved Colin Quinn mm-hmm. um, as her dad. Love. I mean, we're we're all Brie Larson fans. Yeah. Loved her as the sister. I liked Amy Schumer's performance, even in like the more dramatic moments like I, I really great. loved all of that and that I mean I know it's hard I try to go into films not bringing in the excess baggage of like knowing right either like behind the scenes stuff or like more about the performers that isn't actually on the screen and try to just judge it as it is but knowing that like Amy Schumer's dad has MS she has a sister like a lot of this is like autobiographical and right. obviously you know um adapted it's not like meant to be autobiographical but a lot of that really works and it's genuine and I think that's a lot of what Jed Apatow is like trying to do like more human like natural right yes it's comedy but it's still like rooted in in reality and I liked a lot of that and at some points the film was like at odds with that it was like oh but this is going to be a scene just to get a joke it's, it's this is like Amy Schumer's sketch type thing, yeah. and a lot of that sort of back and forth, which it wasn't really really bad in, in that critique, but a lot of that back and forth just didn't clarify the character. Like Amy Schumer, I don't know, it it had its flaws. I was with it. I laughed absolutely. Well, again, I think that that's why she needed someone other than Judd Apatow because I think Judd Apatow has he doesn't know what he is as a director. No, and I I, I like that he'll have those long takes and, like, it will, you know, deepen the characters just by seeing, like, an extra reaction shot from this person or, you know, a wide shot with more people in the frame, like, interacting. Right. But it... But he needs to do, like, a Freaks and Geeks equivalent on film where it's more of those moments where it's just, like, awkward moments played for its space, like, letting a scene breathe and less so wildly divergent in tone, I yeah, think. Yeah, kind of all over the place. Yeah. We, we talked about Tilda Swinton, our girl Tilda. Oh, she was fabulous. Of course she was. I had no idea it was whatsoever. <laughs> That's true. She is such a chameleon. We've only named one of our cats Tilda. Nathan was unsure that that was Tilda Swinton. And she also has maybe my favorite line in that whole movie that I laughed so hard. Which one? 
<laughs> she's at the funeral and she's like, it makes me <laughs> wish we had found my father's body. <laughs> Which just comes after, that was one case where like coming after a really genuine scene, but then tagging it with that from like an absurd character works within the space of the yep, film. Totally. Um, but then I just, I ended up feeling, and again, maybe this goes back to expectations and that I kind of wanted it to be this radically different romantic comedy which clearly it's right. not and I'm fine with that like by the end of it you get the big spectacle like right. kind of unrealistic showing of love to win the other person over right. um, shit I don't remember where I was going with this thought where we were just talking about the funeral scene and varying tones I don't know <laughs> something I'm a train well wreck. I will say that that movie has the best tampon joke I've ever Yes. Yeah. Heard. And, and it, I missed most of it because we were just all laughing too uh, hard and the whole theater was... It was spectacular. And I loved that it was not at all concerned about worrying about any male sensibilities. Because you know what? <laughs> 53% of the population has periods, at least at some point what? in their lives. So let's all move on with our lives. Mm -hmm. um, what uh, what drink you need? Speaking of what? What drink you need oh, for train wreck? for train wreck? Hmm... I feel like High Life, yeah. Miller High Life, with a shot of really bad whiskey. Whiskey. A shot of whiskey and then like four or five High Lifes. Yeah. It's like a 40. Yeah. Yeah. That works something too. like that. Or like smuggle in a bottle. Something like you could drink out of a paper farm. bag. Boone's Farm. <laughs> a whole smuggle in a bottle, depending on your age bracket. Right. Boone's Farm. Smuggle in a bottle of Boone's Farm and drink it in the theater. Yeah. In a paper bag. See if you can find some Bartles and James. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely something you can drink out of a paper bag. Yeah, whatever, whatever of, it is. <laughs> some sort of wine or beer that can be consumed. Or wine cooler. Yes. That be, can be consumed out of a paper bag. bag. Anyway, I'm sure we have more to say about train wreck, but let's let's move on to the next train wreck. No, it's not a train wreck. Uh, Elizabeth and I saw Ant Man. Um, I think we can sum this up very quickly. We saw this quite recently, really, maybe yeah, two weeks ago. weeks ago. I remember nothing. I remember only that I liked Michael Pena Pena. Oh yeah. A lot. For sure. Uh, he was really. Until you reminded me that he's a Scientologist. I know. Well, it's a bummer. He's a Scientologist, but Again. we'll get to that with our next film too. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the king uh, of Scientology. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember. I'm actually shocked at how little that movie stuck with me. I remember thinking it was fine and pleasant while we were in there, and then I remember nothing. I remember. I mean, it's not that I don't remember it. Like I could absolutely give you. A, a five paragraph essay on the plot of this <laughs> film and I could not with like Avengers Age of Ultron. Oh heavens no. That is true. It was less complex than other Marvel films. Like it was it was intimate. It was yeah. smaller and I loved that but then it was also like oh but we need to shoehorn in a scene with Falcon which I didn't mind the scene with Anthony Mackie. Right because he's But we have to mention funny. the Avengers a few times like yeah. this is part of a bigger thing and we're gonna you know this is just an episode of, yeah. of this long running thing and like I love Paul Rudd but he was just so restrained like the whole thing is like it's 
Yeah, I feel like they were like, don't use too much of your charisma or comic timing, Paul Rudd. Keep right, it. this is a Marvel movie. We're overseeing every second of this. Poor Judy like, Greer. Oh, The movie Jesus. was just a reminder of what a terrible, what a waste. abusive summer Judy Greer has had to endure. Yeah. Poor lady. Poor lady. <laughs> I don't know. I've read lots of negative things about Evangeline Lilly, but I actually liked her quite a bit. I did too. I thought she was fine. I yep. thought she was totally what the role required. And I like Michael Douglas. And the... I mean, if you boil it down, a lot of the movie was just Michael Douglas, Evangeline Lilly, and Paul Rudd, like, wandering around the house. With ants. Like, <laughs> training and stuff. With CGI ants. It's fine. Yeah. Not? All right. <laughs> Whatever. I, you know what? I think if I were 10, I think it's a movie I would have liked a lot. Mm-hmm. I would have liked this as a, as a young lad yeah. more than Inside Out, probably. Well, that's because you're dead inside. I know. But. Um, but let's move on because I don't. Wait, what do we need to drink to get through Ant Man? Oh gosh, I I don't know. Something that you'll forget an hour later. (laughs) A bunch of absinthe. (laughs) (laughs) A few few shots of absinthe. I don't know. What? Oh no, just like a like a house cocktail. You know, something you're not really sure what it is. Sure, or like. When you go to a restaurant, you're like, I'll have whatever your house red is. I'll have what she's wine. having. But it doesn't stand out in any particular way. But it's not unappealing. Oh, perfectly consumable. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just unmemorable. <laughs> a house. A house red. Red. Well, I know what red I'm going to rush out and see next. Yeah. <laughs> Especially since you love superhero movies I know. so much, as we've discovered in your summer of narcolepsy. Ah, especially diminutive superheroes. <laughs> your favorite subgenre. <laughs> uh, well, something we're more positive on, the next and last film we'll discuss in this edition is uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Indeed. That's what it's called, right? Rogue yeah. Nation? Yeah, okay. I don't know. Which, I keep wanting to say Ghost Protocol, because that's... that's I'll start it off, since I... Was left out of Ant Nation. Ant Nation. Ant Rotocall. Ant Nation. What an Ant Nation. Um, oh anyway, <laughs> I am continually surprised by this. What do you call it? Franchise. Franchise. Thing. Yeah. Um, it was a delightful movie. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it enjoyable from beginning to end um there were some real clunkers in the script um which was the only thing that kind of pulled me out of it especially some of was it ving rains his yeah. character's lines were just yeah. so unfortunate i feel like ving rains was jeremy renner's too and jeremy renner's yeah, yeah but i feel like ving rains was like recovering from like some sort of surgery or something. Like so he just he had hernia surgery or something. Yeah, not like a serious. Like, I mean in real Ill. life. Yes, and well, I feel like he was just like. heavily medicated. <laughs> he legit seemed like they were almost weakened at burning him. Like, to <laughs> have him say his lines. Well, it's really oh. unfortunate because he had all the lines that were like, like wise words from, you know, the from fellow. The, like Morgan Freeman type. Yeah, yeah. and it was like, no... That script is just spelling things out in a way that it doesn't need to. But beyond that, I thought it was lots of fun. And I hate Tom Cruise, but I thought he was great. Um, This makes perfect use of his best 
sense. Yeah, and I loved... Um, yeah, and was so the, well matched with Simon Pegg. That was a good Oh, foil. Simon Pegg was great. He's great. And, and Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson. Loved. Yes. She... I, I love her... Can't wait for I mean, her I career. I love her as an actress. Promising career to I love disappear. Her look and her style. Man. Well, the good news is she's next going to be appearing in a Meryl Streep movie. Vicky and the Flash 2? No, the Meryl Streep movie where she's playing the opera singer who can't sing. Oh, yes. However, the bad news is, since she is not Meryl Streep and she's in that movie, she's, of course, playing uh, Hugh... What's his Grant? Name? Hugh Grant's, like, girlfriend or wife. Yeah, and she'll have, like, a couple lines meet in the background. Um, yeah, I'm really hoping... I mean, she, for me, was the reason for the season with this film. I thought she was so great. Uh, the character is so... In general, I thought the film had a lot of noirish qualities. Mm, yeah. Which I really enjoyed. And I used to watch the series, the old 60s series, with my sister. And so mm. I actually really loved all the, like, team aspects of the original series. And there was always definitely, like, a mystery and mistaken identity. And I thought that this double agents, triple agents, stuff like that. And this film really tapped into that spirit. So I enjoyed it, did. it a lot. I almost wanted it to go further too. Like it's, a, well, I don't want to get into spoilers, but at some point I wanted who they were setting up as the bad guys to be the good guys. And then like the CIA to be the bad guy. I don't know. That's, that's what I was kind of hoping for. Spoiler. <laughs> well, um, no, spoiler no, I, the CIA I agree. is not I, bad. I agree. It could have gone, it could have gone, but I think it was actually, no, it was great. It was tight. It was focused. enough without being like, Oh, you're just, being drowned by this plot. Yeah. I, I thought it was maybe a little bit too long in the in the way that a Joe Apatow movie can be too long, but that's not a very bad complaint. I mean, right. it's not a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Well, I just loved that I felt like even the action scenes felt really spread out between, like, Big, giant actions. I loved that, you know, the plane scene that's featured in all the trailers was just the stinger for the opening of a mission right. that doesn't even matter. Nope. And then they had the, like, more intimate, like, the the opera scene was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's totally an homage to the man who knew too much, like, but it's so great. It's almost entirely wordless. And they're like, wait, who is It's actually shot really beautifully. Who? The cinematography of like things where he's on the catwalk and you see across into mm-hmm. the into the lighting booth and you can see the per you know the whole thing. It's I mean this franchise is just smarter than I keep giving it credit for. <laughs> and I honestly think that a big part of that is Tom Cruise for picking really interesting directors. Hmm. Like he picks people who well, like Brad Bird did the last one. Yeah. Brad Bird did like, the last great. one. J.J. Abrams did the third. Mm-hmm. You know, the first one was De Palma. Like, he really chooses people with an interesting point of view and thumbprint, and I think it really shows. I mean, I love that the climax of this film is essentially, it's kind of a spoiler, but it's like a chase scene through an alleyway with basically, like, five people. Right. Like, Tom Cruise and Rebecca Ferguson and then the people approaching them. I love that the female character gets to fight a giant Russian man. She's great. One on one. She's. So, I mean, once again, this is the, the second. The character is great too. Yeah, Absolutely. this is the second summer where Tom Cruise has had a yeah. really dynamic co-lead and an honest to god non-romantic co-lead female. Yeah. After Emily Blunt last year, in right, which really makes me, you know, 
applaud him for that choice and for choosing someone who wasn't a name, but is just a really, she's also stunning. She looks like a classic, she looks like Ingrid Bergman or something. Yeah, she does. Um, I loved, similar to Mad Max earlier this summer, and I don't know how much of this film was practical effects. I mean, I know Tom Cruise does, you know, most all of his own stunts, but like, that helps so much. And even just like, like you, we've discussed this, we don't really like chase scenes, but even just, there's a really long motorcycle chase scene that, I was on the edge of my seat. Like all of these action sequences are really well done, and that yeah. and the humor is well done. It's like scripted. It's intelligent. Yeah. Whereas so many other like action based summer movies Forget. are trying to be lowest common denominator, or let's add more explosions, and that's what people want. No, we want it to be grounded and based on these characters, these situations, and that we are in the situation, and that's why it's tense. Right. And that really helped. Like. Well, and they also do, it's funny, actually, and this is probably a really weird comparison, but there was a moment because Tom Cruise's character is obviously doing these incredible, like, superhuman things throughout the film, but as opposed to the sort of glut of superhero films that we see, when he takes a punch or falls down or gets kicked, or anyone else does, or like in the motorcycle chase scene mm-hmm. when someone gets knocked off, like you feel the weight of it. You feel him take punches. Right. You feel pe- other people take punches or hits or explosions. Like in that way, it feels grounded to reality. Mm-hmm. And I was actually reminded, especially in that amazing chase scene when he's just been resuscitated and has the <laughs> adrenaline going through. Mm-hmm. There's that really hilarious moment where they turn the corner, he and Simon Pegg, and they see Jeremy Renner and uh, yeah. comatose man, Bernie. Bernie's. <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's. And they just, it's just facial expression, like, oh, hey, it's you. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's like an American Jackie Chan. Because he's <laughs> yeah. funny yeah, in yeah. his action. Like, he's totally, you can see that it's him doing it. He's super physically, super intense. But he manages to be funny... Yeah. During his fight scenes, and I was like, and the action scenes, like, oh, this is like Jackie Chan. <laughs> wow. That is an apt. And I think comparison. that's one of the reasons that this movie works is because it's it's just fun. Yeah. It's enjoyable. For sure. So it has a bit we... of the, the normal problem, I think, where the good guys shoot at someone and they instantly hit their target, and the bad guys will fire an entire round and. Oh, they missed. Of course. It also, but even though it has movie. an amazing female character and they found an amazing actress, Rebecca Ferguson, they, of course, couldn't keep any of the previous female team members from They never Ghost do. Protocol. And if they make another one, of course, it won't be Rebecca Ferguson. It'll be someone else. Better. She got such great notices like for it. Elle Fanning or something. <laughs> well, too old. that's the other thing that gets docked for me. It only has one female, like, one real female character, and as awesome as she is, she, of course, never interacts with any other women. And then the other female character they have is a young, pretty thing who dies as some sort of emotional propellant like to Tom yeah. Cruise. Right. And that irritates Like, stop killing women to make your male heroes feel something. Yeah. Stop. Merp, merp. What do we need to drink to get that. through M-I-R-N? Murn. I feel like a gin fizz, like something fizzy, fizzy. and fun. Yeah, yeah, fizzy that drink. Could work. Or even just like a shot of soda to the back of the throat. <laughs> <laughs> I 
like a good like root like a beer, soda gun like a bark right like take beer. the like because you don't really need like reach behind the bar through. grab the like soda gun mission impossible yeah. shoot it speaking of yeah and you're ready to your go. mission should you choose to accept it reach behind the bar and right. grab some cherry all right sure why not well so that sums up uh the the movies that we're going to discuss the rest of the sort of the big summer films of 2015 and in honor of summer blockbusters i have some trivia questions dun, 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 dun. um as i have mentioned most of these films have been included in our summer blockbuster bracket of last summer Mm -hmm. um please wait until i have completed the entire question and then the first one to shout out the correct answer gets the point all right first question is what summer blockbuster does nasa screen during their training program employees are given the challenge to spot as many errors as possible to date they have found 168 apollo 13 Nope. Damn it. Uh, Armageddon. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Yes. Oh my yes. God. Uh, I wasn't going to say Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> <laughs> That's summer hit. All right, number two. What film did Ronald Reagan reference in his 1986 State of the Union address? Jaws. Same. <laughs> the question is not completed. Please wait until the end of the question. Oh, good. So that doesn't count as a good question. Correct. You can guess again. Saying... <laughs> Where we're going, we don't need roads. It is a blockbuster during the Reagan administration. Back to the Future. Correct. Oh. I was going to say, I know that line. It is not from Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's, here's probably an easy one. What summer blockbuster, speaking of our lord and savior of Scientology, what summer blockbuster was Tom Cruise promoting during the couch jumping incident? Uh, Matt knows this. He's just trying to be nice. No, I'm trying to think of what year that would have been. Probably early. Where are the worlds? Yes. Uh, Correct. Forgot about there was that. no kinda, cheating. I kind of liked that movie. Actually. That happened. I absolutely did not mouth the answer to Nathan. And I agree, Matt. I kind of like that movie too. All right, this is a question that comes just from me. It's, it's, an, it's an Elizabeth special. During, we get to Bernie's. <laughs> please wait until the okay. question is completed. This is actually a three. There are three films you have to. Oh no! Oh no! Shit! Which means Nathan, if you get this correct, you could surge ahead because you get a point for film. Ah. During the summer of 2013, my love, James Badgedale, <laughs> was in three would-be blockbusters. What were they? World War Z. Yes. You see, I don't know who the fuck James Badgedale is. <laughs> JBD. What kind of name is that? He's the um, is dickish. This like he's the dickish boss. Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, or something. Summer 2013. Damn it! That's like the only one I remember. World War Z. I'll give you a hint. Shame. Um, a Marvel film from that summer. 2013. I was gonna say the Iron Man three. 
No. Iron Man 3. Correct. Iron All Man right. 3. All right. And the last one is a huge flop. It was meant... John Carter? No. Uh, it was meant... It was meant to be a big hit for Disney, but it was a huge flop. With, Bambi. With some cultural appropriation in there. Pocahontas. <laughs> and a little bit of Depp scarves. Well, I mean, oh, he was the Lone Ranger. The Lone oh, Ranger's part, ah, yes. God. Thankfully, I've forgotten about that. Yes, movie. those were the three summer films that James Batchdale was in. Um, and finally, the last question is, what blockbuster comedy was the highest grossing comedy ever until Home Alone surpassed it. So keep in mind, Home Alone was 1990. 90, so this yeah. was a comedy from the 80s. Hubby in particular voted for it over an, another very popular film in our blockbuster bracket. Oh. Ghostbusters. Yes. Okay, that would have been, I was, I was thinking either that or Beverly Hills Cop. Well done. So those were our summer blockbuster trivia questions. I hope you did better than my cohorts. Whatever. Well. <laughs> I assume everyone listening to this is a huge James Badgedale fan and knows his, <laughs> all of his filmography. I mean, so. James Badgedale sounds a little dirty. <laughs> I also rarely... That's some sort of adult film star, let's be honest. I also rarely say his name in the correct order. It's true. James and I also badge wrote, James. Well, no, I always feel like Badge should be at the end because the other two are first names. James Dale Badge. Yeah, but that's not correct. I also wrote the L train with him one time. Ooh, do you want to pick up that name you dropped over there? <laughs> <laughs> that's me snapping. <laughs> yeah, we got. All righty. Well, thanks for listening. We're gonna go have another margarita. Uh, we will be back at the end of the summer with uh, a recap of the other films we saw, um, some large, some Maybe. small. Yes. And Sprinkled Throw will also have some 2005 and decades oh, we'll so far retrospectives. We have so many fun things coming for you. Coming at you. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Bye. Adios. Bye.